Republicans attacking maybe the most unimpeachable thing in this whole investigation. The lead starts right now. He's the first person who was actually on that Ukraine phone call to testify, and he's telling Congress that he was so troubled by the president's actions that he reported it to lawyers up the ladder. Appalling attacks, the president's defenders now questioning the loyalty of the active duty army officer, an Iraq war veteran, who still has shrapnel in his body. Why? Because he's testifying in the impeachment probe today. Plus, a brand new CNN poll, a snapshot of the first in the nation primary, New Hampshire, one that could point to a historically tight race ahead. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin today with the politics lead explosive testimony on Capitol Hill, where right now the top Ukraine expert on the White House National Security Council is testifying in the impeachment inquiry. According to his opening statement, Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman twice sounded the alarm. First, he raised concerns that the president's point man on Ukraine demanded that the Ukrainian government open an investigation into the Bidens in exchange for a White House meeting. Then, Vindman raised the alarm once again when he heard that the president made a similar demand. Vindman, who prides himself on being nonpartisan, reported his concerns out of a sense of duty. The lieutenant colonel, after all, has served active duty in the U.S. Army for more than 20 years. He was awarded the Purple Heart after being wounded by an IED in Iraq. Vindman was born in Soviet-occupied Ukraine. His family fled the USSR when he was three years old, becoming embodiments of the American dream. He and his twin brother were featured in a Ken Burns documentary from 1985. We came from Russia. And then we went to... Our mother died, so we went to Italy. Then we came here. Now, if you think Vindman, being a decorated war veteran, would make the president and his supporters more reluctant to smear him, well, then you have not been paying attention. Seizing on New York Times reporting that Ukrainian officials sought advice from Vindman about how to deal with Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney, Giuliani tweeted that Lieutenant Colonel Vindman is a, quote, U.S. government employee who has reportedly been advising to governments, which is nonsensical and not true, but of a piece of a loathsome dual loyalty smear that Trump defenders have started using. Former Congressman Sean Duffy this morning on CNN smeared Vindman as having allegiance to Ukraine and not to the country that Vindman literally fought and bled for the United States. It seems very clear that he is incredibly concerned about Ukrainian defense. I don't know that he's concerned about American policy, but his main mission was to make sure that the Ukraine got those weapons. Quote, I don't know that he's concerned about American policy. Getting Ukraine those weapons to beat back the Russians was and is American policy. It was passed by the House and the Senate and signed into law by the president. According to someone who knows Vindman, this is someone who never complains about his wounds but he still walks around with some of the shrapnel in his body. This vile, dual loyalty smear of an army colonel comes just days after a different smear of a different decorated war veteran, the smear by President Trump of Ambassador Bill Taylor, a Vietnam War veteran and another expert witness with damning testimony. Taylor, President Trump suggested, is human scum. The smears are, in fact, getting so hideous House Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney today said this. 
We're talking about decorated veterans who have served this nation, who have put their lives on the line, and it is shameful to question their patriotism, their love of this nation, and we should not be involved in that process. But President Trump and his defenders are deeply involved in that process, the one Cheney called shameful, because they apparently would rather impugn decorated veterans such as Vin Min and Taylor than address the substance of their testimony, which alleges that President Trump and his team essentially were extorting Ukraine and corrupting the national security apparatus of the United States in order to help President Trump Politically, they don't want to talk about that testimony. So let us now turn to that testimony. Here's Sunland Sirfati on Capitol Hill. Bombshell testimony on Capitol Hill. This is a very, very important moment. This is a person that was there. From Alexander Vindman, the National Security Council's top Ukraine expert, telling House investigators today he was so troubled by what was happening with Ukraine, he raised concerns twice to his superiors. We've got all kinds of opinions from several witnesses over the last few weeks, but the fundamental facts are, are, are just that fundamental. But Vindman is the first witness who was actually on the now famous July 25th phone call between President Trump and the Ukrainian president, telling lawmakers today in his opening statement obtained by CNN that he was concerned by what he heard on the call. I did not think it was proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen, and I was worried about the implications for the U.S. government's support of Ukraine. Following the call, Vindman said he reported his concerns to the NSC's lead counsel. Earlier that same month, Vindman attended a July 10th meeting in Washington with Ukrainian and U.S. officials, telling lawmakers that Ambassador Sondland started to speak about Ukraine delivering specific investigations in order to secure the meeting with the president, at which time Ambassador Bolton cut the meeting short. At a debriefing afterwards, Vindman testified today that he confronted the U.S. ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland. Ambassador Sondland emphasized the importance that Ukraine deliver the investigations into the 2016 election, the Bidens and Burisma. I stated to Ambassador Sondland that his statements were inappropriate. Following that meeting, Vindman says he also reported his concerns then to NSC's lead counsel, as did Fiona Hill, the president's former top Russia advisor, who was also in the room. But that directly contradicts what Gordon Sondland told House investigators two weeks ago during his deposition on Capitol Hill. Sondland then telling lawmakers, quote, if Ambassador Bolton, Dr. Hill or others harbored any misgivings about the propriety of what we were doing, they never shared those misgivings with me then or later. And Vindman's accounting of what happened and what was said in that July 10th meeting, however, is backed up by the testimony of Bill Taylor. He, of course, is President Trump's top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine, Jake, who testified up here on Capitol Hill last week. All right, Sunland Sarfati on Capitol Hill, thanks so much. Uh, let's discuss, uh, Neil, let me start with you. In his opening statement, uh, Vindman wrote this about President Trump's phone call with the Ukrainian president, which Vindman was listening in yeah. on. Quote, I was concerned by the call. I did not think it was proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen, and I was worried about the implications for the U.S. government's support of Ukraine. Uh, this is uh, just an, another unimpeachable character witness, uh, somebody, uh, not character, unimpeachable witness, right. saying 
uh, that this was inappropriate. Yeah, and his character unimpeachable, right? If you look at uh, his record, he was uh, he got a Purple Heart. He served in the Iraq War, uh, and he's somebody who felt like it was his patriotic duty uh, to report this, right? And he reported uh, in two different instances. First, a meeting uh, where Bolton was in the meeting and Sondland was in the meeting, and then after this, a phone call. Listen, we knew this day would come that there would be somebody to come before uh, this committee who was actually on that phone call for all of these uh, previous depositions and with the whistleblower complaint, you heard the, uh, some of the Trump's allies and Trump himself essentially saying, well, this is all secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand, and therefore uh, can't necessarily be believed. So here is someone uh, who was on that phone call, and it tracks very closely with what we know of it, what the whistleblower said. So listen, I think you'll have the president's allies at least try to undermine him. We saw some of that uh, today with some Republicans obviously trying to, to, to push back. But it's another damning day uh, for this presidency with what's coming out of these depositions. And I have Maddie, are you at all surprised? Here we have somebody who literally still, according to somebody who knows him, literally still is walking around with shrapnel in his body from uh, combat operations in Iraq, fighting for the United States Army. He's still in the Army, and you have people, and look, I never served, so I, I don't want to, but I, I don't want to impugn those who haven't served, but Rudy Giuliani never served, right. doing dual loyalty yeah. charges. Sean Duffy never served. Doing to be dual- fair to the president, yeah. he had bone spurs. Right. So he couldn't make it but to I'm Vietnam just saying, like, like Bill yeah. Taylor. Look, you had a Vietnam veteran testify last week, Bill Taylor, ambassador right. to Ukraine. You have an Iraq war veteran testify today. These are the kind of people the Republican Party used to fetishize and say, don't you dare say anything about our veterans, our heroes. Uh, but ever since Donald Trump took over, they attacked Gold Star parents, uh, anyone who's in the way of the Trump campaign and the Trump cause. Um, it's interesting that he dismisses them all as never Trumpers. He referred to uh, Colonel Vindman as a never-Trumpity, zero evidence for it. No evidence. Just to clarify for the president, if you work for the Trump administration, you can't be a never-Trumper, mm-hmm. just by definition. Mm-hmm. This guy works in the White House. He was on the call. Trump also said today, I've never heard of him, which makes Trump look stupid, because why are you making calls to foreign leaders with people in the room you've never heard of? <laughs> so the whole thing is bizarre. Obviously, it's all about taking out the witnesses, as you said. I'm glad you used the phrase extortion at the top of the show, because... We've used quid pro quo for far too long. It's extortion. I think people understand what extortion is. Vindman's testimony is the latest uh, affirmation that it was extortion. Uh, in his opening statement, Vindman also wrote in a July debrief after they met with Ukrainian government officials, uh, quote, Ambassador Sondland, that's the U.S. ambassador to the EU. For some reason, he was the point man <laughs> right, in Ukraine, unclear, even right. though Ukraine is not in the EU. Anyway, Ambassador Sondland started to speak about Ukraine delivering specific investigations in order to secure the meeting with the president at which time Ambassador Bolton cut the meeting short. That's in the meeting with the Ukrainian government uh, officials. What does that say to you about Bolton? This happens and Bolton cuts the meeting short. Well, listen, I've, a lot of people disagree with Bolton on policy, but I've always believed that he is an institutionalist who will protect the institutions that he works for. He's worked in previous administrations. And so I, I don't find that surprising. Um, but so what's really tough for everyone that was in the White House at that moment, we are now in the phase of what did you know and when did you know it? Um, Sondland is at odds with the whistleblower and Vindman. Uh, Rick Perry has a problem. He has previously denied knowing anything about it. He was in those meetings that Bolton blew up. Um, how far does this go? Was Mike Pence involved? People are worried that he's not going to escape from this unscathed. Uh, where was Mike Pompeo, uh, Bill Barr? So there's just a lot of places this can go, and it all goes straight to the top. So now we have uh, testimony from Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Uh, that completely contradicts what Ambassador Sondland said. Sondland, the point man on this Ukraine rogue operation, um, said that, quote, I recall no discussions with any State Department or White House official uh, about former Vice President Biden or his son, nor do I recall taking part in any effort to encourage an investigation 
into the Bidens. And you have Vindman in his testimony, the opening statement, he says that he went to him afterwards and said it was entirely inappropriate. And then Dr. Fiona Hill, also on the National Security Council, said the same thing to him. Uh, so assuming that Hill backs that testimony... Um, Sondland could face some problems here. He could. And of course, Bolton cut the meeting short. So what translates to me is, Lucy, you've got some explaining to do as to why you told Congress one thing and then it's backed up by other people. I look at people's credibility as witnesses to figure out who I'm going to believe, who I want to assign that gravitas to based on what their expertise is. If you're a firsthand account, that's great. If also you're somebody in a position to understand why there would have been an abuse of power, what was the leverage we're talking about? Why would it have been inappropriate? Each of the people that you named, Fiona Hill, um, uh, Bill Taylor, and now, of course, um, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, all have expertise into the compromised state that Ukraine would have been in compared to the prowess of our American military and, of course, Americans' influence. So they have this expertise. They don't seem to have a partisan split, and they told in real time. I would argue, Amanda, we've been past what you're talking about. We're in the phase of when did you know it and who did you tell? Because every time they told somebody, somebody else on a witness list that I want to question or recall to confirm and corroborate. And that's why I think we're in this state right now with Pelosi saying, all right, well, come before the public and tell us what you think. We want to assess your credibility in real time. All right, everyone stay there. there. We have a lot more to talk about coming up. Breaking news. We're getting our first look at how the public impeachment hearings could play out in front of all of our eyes. Plus, the White House trying to find a new way to attack the impeachment process as President Trump trashes an American hero. Stay with us. We have uh, breaking news now. We are just seeing the text of the House impeachment resolution that the full House will vote on for the first time on Thursday. The resolution outlines exactly how impeachment proceedings, impeachment inquiry proceedings will go down from from public hearings to a report that will be delivered on their findings. Seen as Lauren Fox is on Capitol Hill. Lauren, walk us through the, the key points in, in this resolution. Well, what we know, Jake, is that there are going to be public hearings, that they also are going to issue that public report, and they will release the transcript of those closed-door depositions that have been going on for several weeks now. But this is really about broadening the role of the minority here. The minority's rights are going to be expanded, including the fact that they can now request witnesses and documents as this moves to the Judiciary Committee for that broader public hearing. Now, there is a catch to that. The Republicans only have those rights in consultation with the Democratic chairman. If there's a disagreement, then it will go for a full vote of the committee. And as you know, Democrats control the House of Representatives. Therefore, they'll have more votes in the committee. But this also expands the rights of the president to defend himself. A few key points that are outlined in this resolution. It present it allows the president and his lawyer to present their case and respond to evidence, attend hearings, including those in executive session, and raise objections and cross-examine witnesses. And Democrats are arguing this really undercuts a key Republican talking point that this process is unfair. They're arguing moving forward, it's officially outlining what the rules will be. Jake. All right, Lauren Fox on Capitol Hill. Thank you so much. Uh, joining me now is Democratic Congresswoman from the Great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Madeline Dean. Congresswoman, thanks for joining us. Uh, your reaction to this resolution that just posted within the hour? Uh, I'm pleased with it. I, I think it's a, the right step forward. Uh, if you read the very first line of the resolution, it directs the committees, the oversight committees, I happen to be on one of them, judiciary, to continue our investigation as to whether sufficient grounds exist uh, to to uh, bring to bear our constitutional authority of impeachment. Uh, so I think it's, it's an excellent step forward. It is a matter of process and due process, as your report just laid out. 
And what kind of evidence will you need uh, to vote to impeach the president, do you think? Well, that's that's a question down the road. That's why, again, I like the opening statement of this. Uh, What we will need is the evidence from the witnesses that are being collected now. Uh, I look forward to the public hearings that we will have. Uh, I look forward to the transfer of the report to the Judiciary Committee uh, so that we can determine whether or not to draft articles of impeachment and then, of course, uh, to uh, have hearing or markup on uh, drafted articles. I heard a lot of Democrats complaining about the House Republicans uh, storming the skiff last week. Uh, Are you worried uh, that Republicans are going to take advantage of public hearings to try to distract, change the subject, undermine, turn them into a spectacle in the view of Democrats? I certainly hope not. And that's what was uh, sort of grounding about this resolution. It shows the seriousness with which our party, our caucus, takes uh, where we are headed. Uh, As Speaker Pelosi has said so many times, we are in a solemn place. Uh, Nobody wanted to be here. This is a very difficult time for our Congress and an even more difficult time for our country. But when you have a president uh, who behaves as though the law does not apply to him, when you have a president who abandons his oath of office, when you have a president who would rather compromise our elections uh, than actually uh, work diplomatically with Democratic partners around the world, putting them at risk, Uh, when you have a president who attempts to shake down a foreign president for dirt on a political opponent for his own personal and political gain, uh, we have no choice uh, but to take this very, very seriously. I hope my Republican counterparts on all these committees of oversight take it that solemnly, that seriously. This should not be filled with stunts or circuses. The Wall Street Journal editorial board published an op-ed about uh, Pelosi's decision for this resolution and for the vote Thursday. It says, quote, This is what you say when you know your critics have been right, but you don't want to admit it. Perhaps Mrs. Pelosi realized that the House process so far has looked like a partisan railroad job, unquote. Uh, Should the public look at this resolution as a concession of sorts that the Republicans had a point that the process needed to be far more transparent? Uh, I think not. And here's why. I disagree with the premise of the editorial by the Wall Street Journal board. Uh, They said it is as though she said, yeah, you were right. I should have had a vote uh, on a formal inquiry. This is not that vote. This is a vote laying out process and due process, including for the president and his own counsel. Uh, So it's actually that the premise of the editorial is just plain false. Uh, And also, describe, if you would, the the resolution also brings uh, some sort of clarity to the role of transferring evidence to the committee on which you sit, the, the, the House Judiciary Committee. What kind of physical evidence is there? Well, we will get uh, uh, copies of transcripts of all of the depositions, as will the American people. Uh, I think that's incredibly important. Transparency is going to be incredibly important uh, to prosecute this case and to see uh, whether or not uh, high crimes and misdemeanors exist. Uh, We're going to see evidence. uh, Obviously, you you, you know today the very evidence of uh, the lieutenant colonel who was on the Ukraine phone call and how concerned he was about what was going on. Uh, We heard uh, from Bill Taylor, uh, his courageous testimony with uh, corroborating notes uh, that talked about uh, he he was deeply concerned about a shadow foreign policy uh, being performed by Rudy Giuliani, of all people, and that things were contingent upon uh, President Zelensky making sure he opened up an uh, investigation into Biden and Burisma, and also that he publicly made a statement about that. 
We've seen this pattern of behavior before by this president. We read the exact same sort of patterns in the Mueller report, uh, where the president wants somebody to do something for him publicly that will benefit him politically and personally. Uh, that kind of evidence from these courageous folks who are coming forward to testify and others who will still come uh, in, in open settings is the evidence uh, that is important. Democratic Congresswoman Madeline Dean of the Great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, thank you so much for your time as always. Thank you, Jake. Now that a House committee has released a draft of the impeachment inquiry resolution, the process, how will the White House respond? Stay with us. The politics lead Democrats hope that Thursday's House vote on the impeachment inquiry process, opening hearings, providing deposition transcripts and more, will quiet Republican complaints of non-transparency, even though one of the more than 40 House Republicans who could have attended every deposition now admits that he has not attended a single one. Republicans are debating a new way to go after the impeachment process, and as CNN's Caitlin Collins reports now, so is the White House. As the top White House expert on Ukraine testified today, President Trump was lashing out at the Purple Heart recipient without naming him accusing Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vindman of being a political opponent, asking, was he on the same call that I was? And how many more never-Trumpers will be allowed to testify? The president's attacks coming as the White House is privately deciding how to respond to the latest moves by Democrats, who are now slated to take their first vote on the impeachment inquiry, forcing lawmakers to go on the record supporting the investigation. Every member will have to make a decision Uh, based on their conscience. The vote could work in the White House's favor or against it. Trump's aides are waiting to see what Democrats do before making any moves. Republicans have demanded for weeks that Democrats must vote before the inquiry can be seen as legitimate. Though today they claimed it's too little, too late. I I applaud the speaker for finally admitting it is a whole entire sham, but you can't put the genie back in the bottle. One Republican congressman admitting he hasn't attended any of the closed-door depositions. But why are you not there? Because I have other responsibilities in the House, and what I I see this as a sideshow. Ted Yoho is a Republican who sits on one of the three committees allowed in the room, but he says he hasn't even read the transcripts. We've read the summary of uh, Volcker's, and um, there was one other one we did. The summary, or you've gone actually to read no, the full Just the summary of them. Now, Jake, Ted Yoho said he was going to go to Vindman's testimony today, where we are told a shouting match occurred between Republicans and Democrats, with mm-hmm. Democrats accusing Republicans of trying to out the whistleblower. Though Republicans said, no, they weren't trying to out the person by naming them. They just wanted to find out who it was that Vindman spoke with. That happened behind closed doors. We're being told the Democrats are being prepared to move these in front of the cameras in public, though right now they're still lining people up to come privately, including the chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney's national security advisor, Rob Blair, who Jake was also on that July phone call. Hmm. All right. Caitlin Collins with the White House. Thanks. Let's uh, keep talking with my experts. Uh, Amanda, I'm all for transparency. I would love open hearings. I get it all. But like when you find out that, first of all, there are more than 40 Republicans that are allowed to to hear these depositions Mm -hmm. and people like Ted Yoho, Congressman Ted Yoho, hasn't even been to one, even though he's entitled to go to that. Doesn't that kind of like 
undermine the Republicans' argument here? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, but frankly, it's a little bit easier for Republicans if you don't want to defend the president outright to pretend like you don't know what's going on. Like many Senate Republicans are doing right now under the defense. Well, we might be jurors in a possible uh, conviction, so I can't talk about it. But, you know, the White House is struggling. The Republicans are struggling because there's not a coherent message from the White House. You saw Kevin McCarthy come to the cameras earlier today and talk about a mistrial. Well, that's like not a thing. There's no legally collected evidence. Um, you're going to be part of it. You're going to have to participate at some point. Uh, Laura Ingraham took a good stab last night, and that blew up in all Republicans' faces this morning. And then you have Steve Bannon out there literally doing a podcast to try to help Republicans' message. And I, I listened to it. I'll save you the time. It all comes down to just questioning people's motives and accusing anyone that speaks out against the president of not supporting his America First policy. <clears throat> That's all they got. And, and we were talking about this dual loyalty accusation uh, that Rudy Giuliani and Congressman Duffy and others have been making uh, against uh, today Lieutenant Colonel Alexander uh, Vindman, um, who uh, he has no dual loyalty. He, he has shrapnel in his body yeah. from fighting with for the uh, fighting as part of the U.S. Army in Iraq. Uh, but you say that the dual loyalty charge, there's there's even more to it than that. Well, he's a, a Jewish refugee from Ukraine, came to the U.S. at the age of three. When you accuse a Jewish member of the government of holding loyalty to a foreign country, I think it's fair to say that's an anti-Semitic trope, if not smear. Of course, this is a president who's also called Adam Shift, Shifty Schiff. Um, so he's not afraid of these kind of things. Look, the whole of this process is in bad faith. You mentioned mistrial is not a thing. Um, all of their precedent invocations are not things either. Everything Nancy Pelosi has done is by the book within her powers. Even this vote today, there was no real need for the vote. A federal judge said last Friday... Everything's fine. You don't need to have a vote. And guess what? Republicans that have a vote, have a vote, have a vote. And when they had a vote, they come out and say, this is a sham. It's too little, too late. Surprise, the Republicans are all about bad faith. That defines everything they do on this issue. And that's what will define it going forward. They, you know, you mentioned well, 47 Republicans sit on the three committees. Yeah. 13 of the people who stormed the skiff we're on those committees. They could have just walked in. They don't have to storm. The, whole thing, is, the whole thing is bad faith. I mean, and the problem is the bad facts, right, that, that, the, they're, that they're dealing with, that have come out of all of these depositions, uh, the whistleblower, the text messages. Uh, you know, I talked to a person who was in those meetings and asked, you know, is there anything that's coming out of these depositions that puts the president in a good light, right? And this person said no. And I imagine if there was something that was, you know, exculpatory of the president, the Republicans would be rushing to the cameras uh, to, to tout it. But all they can do at this point is talk about process. It's not going to get easier for them in terms of the messaging. The core problem is this bad, bad set of facts for this president. And, and what, what's the saying? If you <clears throat> can't argue the law, what, what, what is that? You're... Well, I think the point you want to make is you're pieing the table because you have nothing actually to talk about. And this right. whole thing here, the Republicans that they understand, shooting the messenger is not effective once the message is already out. It's kind of an exercise in futility. The message has been out multiple times now. The president in the White House issued the message at one point in time with that summation of the call. The whistleblower complaint out there is a message. You've got Bill Taylor. You've got Fiona Hill. You've got um, Alexander Vindman as well. The message is out, which is why the, it's so imperative to have the public hearings to essentially say you can argue and pound the table all you want because you hate the process. But once it's already out there, that's the genie that can't go back into the bottle. And so I think what they have right now is trying to figure out how they're going to contain a message that's loud and clear to the American public 
even before an impeachment article has been drafted. Quickly, I have a solution for the president of the White House. According to the resolution out today, Trump can turn up in Congress and argue his own case and cross-examine witnesses. I, for one, would pay money to see that. That is actually... Deal. You, know, the you don't know? Maybe he will. Yeah, oh, maybe he will. Be careful what you wish for. No, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Stick around. He's been smeared, disparaged, his loyalty to America questioned, and Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman is not the only career government employee under attack for testifying about what he sees as the facts in the impeachment inquiry. Stay with us. In our politics lead, as President Trump continues to attack Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, the top Ukraine expert on the White House National Security Council, not to mention an Army veteran and Purple Heart recipient, a reminder that Vindman is not the only one who has been sounding the alarm about the Trump-Ukraine dealings. As CNN's Alex Marquardt reports for us now, there are several other career officials raising similar issues despite the president trying to discredit them. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman wearing his formal Army service uniform was a stark reminder. He was approaching his testimony today not as a political official, but a senior member of the U.S. military. An expert on Ukraine, his country of birth, then part of the Soviet Union. Some people might call that espionage. Vindman's immigration story leading some Republicans to question his patriotism. The damning testimony in this impeachment inquiry has been all the more powerful because, like Vindman's, it's coming from people with years of service, working for administrations from both parties. It's because of the love and country. It's because of the oath of office uh, that they took, the oath to the Constitution. That's the reason why they're doing what they're doing now. Ambassador Bill Taylor came out of retirement after a 30-year career in the Foreign Service, handpicked by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to help the Trump administration in Ukraine. The Vietnam veteran gave an explosive statement to the committees, telling them that the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, told Taylor that everything the Ukrainian president wanted from the United States was dependent on him going to a microphone and saying he is opening investigations of Biden and 2016 interference. For that, the president called him never-Trumper diplomat Bill Taylor, who I don't know. The president's former top advisor on Russia, Dr. Fiona Hill, also testified that Sondland discussed investigations, which she interpreted as a reference to the president's call for investigations into the Bidens. Hill has served as an intelligence officer on Russia, as well as working at Harvard and the Brookings Institution. You have to have a base of people who are experts on issues that are trying to do the right thing for the United States of America, regardless of who the president is. Among the harshest testimony was from Marie Yovanovitch, the ambassador that Trump had recalled from Ukraine after what she called a concerted campaign against her by Rudy Giuliani and his associates. It was Yovanovitch's third time as an ambassador, her first was under President George W. Bush, part of more than 30 years in the Foreign Service. Ambassador Yovanovitch also told lawmakers in her testimony that the State Department is being hollowed out. And today, the president of the American Foreign Service Association, which represents U.S. diplomats, issued a pleading statement asking them, despite the current circumstances, to stay in the service. The president saying, the Foreign Service needs you, your country needs you. Jake. And let's not forget that when the president calls Bill Taylor and Lieutenant Colonel uh, Vindman uh, never Trumpers, he also said that never Trumpers are human scum. Alex Marquardt, thank you so much for, for that report. It's already getting ugly in 2020 world. The president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, just fired back at Joe Biden. Stay with us. 
news in our politics lead, President Trump's son-in-law, White House official Jared Kushner, firing back at former Vice President Joe Biden after Biden claimed that Kushner and his wife Ivanka, who also works for the administration, have no business serving in the White House. And that's not all Kushner's saying. CNN White House correspondent Jeremy Diamond joins me now. And Jeremy Kushner took a, a shot at Biden while while abroad, while overseas. That's right. Well, Vice President Joe Biden uh, said a couple of days ago in an interview with 60 Minutes that he thought it was improper for Jared Kushner and for Ivanka Trump to be serving in the White House in, in uh, the president's administration. And he has said that his own children would not do so. So Jared Kushner, uh, in an interview with Israel's Channel 13, uh, he fired back. This is what he said. Look, he's entitled to his opinion, but uh, a lot of the work that the president's had me doing over the last three years has actually been cleaning up the messes that... Uh, Vice President Biden left behind. Uh, what those messes are, Kushner cited criminal justice uh, issues. Biden signed, uh, was part of uh, voting for that 90s crime bill, for example. Uh, Jared Kushner helped pass the First Step Act. Those were just a few of the issues that Kushner uh, pointed to, but also clearly serving as a political line of attack as well here. And Kushner was also uh, asked about the impeachment inquiry. What do you have to say? That's right. Uh, behind the scenes, we know that Jared Kushner has been very involved uh, in discussions about impeachment at the White House, um, but we have not heard from him publicly on this topic very much. But here he sounded off uh, saying that he, the president, uh, has done nothing wrong. They've been trying to impeach the president for the last three years or get him out of office, and uh, they have been unsuccessful at that. Uh, the best thing going for the president is that he hasn't done anything wrong. If they want to play silly games, then uh, we'll obviously deal with that in an appropriate matter. And Jake, uh, Jared Kushner also said that this is not going, they're not going to let impeachment distract them at the White House. Uh, of course, I would point Jared Kushner to the president's Twitter feed, where he is <laughs> extremely focused on this impeachment. Well, maybe it won't distract Jared. Anyway, right. Jeremy Diamond, thanks so much. Uh, a look at a new CNN poll for the state of New Hampshire it tells quite a different story than the most recent national 2020 poll. Stay with us. In our 2020 lead, Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren neck and neck in a new CNN 2020 poll of New Hampshire Democratic voters. Sanders slightly ahead at 21%, Warren at 18%, so they're within the margin of error of each other. Biden at 15%, third place. Buttigieg at 10 A whole bunch of candidates uh, tied at 5%. This polling, as candidates are swinging through these key early states, including New Hampshire, to officially file their ballots for the primary, uh, let's uh, talk about it. Our, our poll shows no clear leader for New Hampshire, but uh, in a state that is kind of famous for picking more moderate Democrats. You have the two progressive candidates, Warren and Bernie Sanders, at the top. Yeah, like sort of the New Englanders. Obviously, Bernie Sanders uh, won it last go-round, so not really surprised that uh, he's up top and then Elizabeth Warren there uh, from Massachusetts. Oh, listen, I think polls like this remind us that it's a state-by-state -state contest. I think if you're any of those kind of lower-tier candidates, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, you've got to figure out what actual state you can win, right? Bernie Sanders clearly might be able to win a state like New Hampshire. Elizabeth Warren seems competitive there, too. Same in Iowa. If you're Joe Biden, you feel good about your standing in a state like South Carolina and throughout the South, places like Mississippi uh, and Georgia. So for these other candidates, they might have a lot of money. And Pete Buttigieg should be glad that he's at 10 percent. But what state can you win? If you're Amy Klobuchar, uh, what state can you win? If you're Tulsi Gabbard, she's at, what, 5 percent, I think, in that poll. Still, uh, that's, yeah, a, that's a big jump for it, her. It's a big jump. It might help her get into this next debate, a uh, small victory, if it it doesn't look like you can actually win a state and win delegates. And Maddie, take, take a look at uh, Biden's New Hampshire poll numbers in July. He was at 24 uh, percent. Now he's at 15 percent. Uh, I'm no pollster, but I have a feeling <laughs> those, those numbers are going in the wrong direction. 
Yes, they are going in the wrong direction. Last week, uh, when I came on the show, you had a CNN national poll out where he had extended his lead and Biden's people were delighted that despite all the gaffes and all the evidence of decline that we're seeing in the debates and rallies and elsewhere, he was still doing well, still beating off Sanders and Warren. Uh, but as we know, American elections are not decided at a national level. Um, these are not the swing states, but these are the early voting states in the Democratic primaries. New Hampshire matters. Bernie having a resurgence. A lot of people mm-hmm. thought he was finished. It was all going to be Warren Biden at the last debate. Don't write off Bernie Sanders. He's come back. That stent is more like a kind of rocket fuel. Um, he's, yes. I mean, it's amazing. He's got new energy, yeah. new life. His he's people got actually say this. Yeah. Is it legal to go for a presidential primary? He was at a J Street rally this week getting standing ovations yeah. from people at J Street who mm-hmm. weren't always seen as very left-wing. They were seen as quote-unquote yeah. moderate central. So, you know, uh, I think it's all to play for. The polls are all over the place. I just checked before I came in today. At this point in the cycle, in 2016, Ben Carson was leading the Republican field. Come on. Ben Carson <laughs> November, start of November 2015, he was leading the polls. He took over Trump, and yet he came fifth, and he's now the Housing and Urban Development Secretary. And, and what do you think about all this? I know you're not a particular fan. You're, you're looking mm-hmm. for an alternative to President Trump. You want a more moderate Democrat. To yeah, like, I don't know if I'll vote for one. I think my vote is going to be for Republicans, and I will show that it is not available to Trump. Um, I am someone that he should have been able to pick up and probably won't. That said, on the Democratic side, it's clear that people are still looking. And I would be nervous if I were any of these candidates because you're looking for a chance to break out. And now the prospect of impeachment looms over everything. It's not a slam dunk case in states like Iowa and New Hampshire. And so these candidates are going to have to talk about impeachment, which in itself, even if you support it, is a negative topic. Yeah. And 57 percent of these New Hampshire Democrats say they, they remain undecided. Well, that's pretty much the Democratic Party, right? Who is the clear frontrunner when there isn't one? That's kind of democracy working this far out ahead of an election. So we have to stay tuned. All right. Stay tuned, everyone. Thank you so much. Glad uh, you were here. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at the lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN uh, continues right now. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.